Hi, and welcome to a new episode of Startup Radio, where we candidly share the unfiltered truth about what it's really like to start and build your own business. So you can love it and learn from our mistakes and get inspired to embark on this beautiful and messy journey called entrepreneurship yourself. Welcome back to a new episode of Startup Radio. Episode number two. Episode number two. And today we are talking about a very controversial topic. Why white men in their 50s are the problem. Losing all the male two listeners that we had Mike already. dropped. <laughs> See you later, alligator. No, not all white men in their 50s are the problem. But we have made some experiences that we want to share. And uh, we feel like there's kind of the stereotype around what uh, CEOs should be in the industry. Yep. So that's what we want to address today. But before we start with the episode, um, we prepared some recommendations. Nina. Another feature that Another. we have. Um, so basically what we want to do is just provide you guys some recommendations, drawing on the experience that we have made in our very short time as professionals <laughs> not even <laughs> semi-professionals let's just call it unqualified recommendations. unqualified recommendations exactly um and we planned on doing that every episode just to yeah have something for you to take away from this episode as well and if you don't take anything away from this episode do take the recommendation away exactly this is it If you forget it, you can just start listening to the episode again and it will be right here yeah. because it's right at the beginning. And I'm going to start with my recommendation. Yes, go. Um, and in the light of the fact that white men in their 50s are the problem, my recommendation is to get yourself a female coach or role model. Oh. Mm -hmm. um, I have one of those female... Yeah, I'm not sure I can call it a role model, but I've got a lady that I'm working together with and she is very, very inspirational to me in everything that she's doing, not only work-wise, but also um, working on herself and her personal development as much as she does for her business. And yeah, that's just something that I can take away. And I think it's very, very valuable to have someone to look up to and to take on your journey with and to get inspired and get help wherever you get stuck because I think especially those people that have been in business for a little bit longer than we have which is virtually no time um, <laughs> it's very very beneficial to get insights and get help and support wherever I, needed. I love that because it's also kind of broadening your horizon about what's actually possible. Exactly. Because our minds like to keep are small in, in our comfort zone. And if we see other women achieving great things in business, then um, we think it's possible for us too. Yeah, and I, I especially think this role model um, type of person really, as you said, pushes you to look outside your comfort zone and to see what is possible. And that there have been other females, other women, actually achieved great, great success in being themselves. And that's something that I just want to recommend to every one of you guys to look out for people that inspire you and that make you dream big. Yes, I love that. And my recommendation actually connects to your recommendation because my recommendation is, and I feel like that's been said very often, but I truly mean that, is go meditate. Nice. Please meditate. It is so hard to get 
into meditation, I feel like, because uh, I, you probably have that too. We have such busy minds and I always feel like I have a million tabs open in yeah. my brain. And when I first started meditation, I felt like it doesn't work because my mind just wouldn't shut up. But it really, truly helps with practice and if you get into it. And um, I love doing guided meditations either on uh, Spotify or in YouTube uh, that are not just music because then I, I don't know why, what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I love those guided meditations and it, and it really helps you to also broaden your horizon and just think about and express some gratitude about the things that you already have and think about where you want to go, but also quiet your mind a little bit yeah. and close those tabs that are open. And I think that's that's such a good recommendation because um, even throughout my studies, I did a minor in mindful leadership mm. and that was very much connected to this emotional intelligence that a leader needs while leading as well. Yeah. A leader needs while leading, of course, <laughs> because he leads. Because he um, leads. And basically what we talked about is how important it is to be aware of your own thoughts yeah. to then be able to actually understand and read situations and lead other people. Because if you are not aware of your own thoughts and uh, able to connect to those thoughts and to also yeah, regulate those thoughts, yeah. it's a very hard word, thoughts, thoughts. <laughs> um, then you won't ever be able to sufficiently and effectively lead other people as well. Which I then yeah, think connects true. to that business part of things very, very nicely. And I'm not sure if we are allowed to put product placements in episodes, <laughs> but for me, balance, yeah, balance really, really helped because I do see how Spotify and YouTube guided meditations can help you. But for me to stick to things, I like to have an overview and I like to track my own habits. Oh, yeah. And with balance, for example, you're basically working on a goal you're working on continuously doing your meditations it reminds you to do your meditations it gives you little streaks like you you get on snapchat for example That's... if you uh, send each other a snap you get those little flames you know yeah in yeah. balance you do get um streaks of meditating which is then also playing into mm. maybe the competitive side a little bit, yeah, but then you want to continue to doing it and yeah. you actually build up a routine. And I, I think was, that helps. I was about to say, like, there comes the productive thing yeah. back into it that um, you always have to work on, on, like, a goal or something. But if that's what it takes for you to start meditating, Sign. then uh, I'm sold. So um, I will definitely try balance, I think, is that... Is that for free or do you have to pay um, for that? I think there is this offer that at least with an iOS device, yeah. you can now get it for free for the first year oh. and then you go into a subscription base. Oh, so we're not we're not getting paid to say that. Just to, we're not, just no. to preface this, but <laughs> um, ah, that's a lovely, that's a lovely recommendation. Yeah, I just build up on your recommendation. I just recommended <laughs> something because you recommended something. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, guys, female leaders and meditation. That's the way to go. Um, probably gives you lots of success. All this success. All this success. <laughs> you can manifest everything. That's the way to go. Okay, so let's get straight into the episode, Nina. Mm -hmm. I wanted to start this episode with a fact. 
Did you know that 85.8% of Fortune 500 brands in the US are led by white males? I did not. I assume so, but I did not know the actual fact of that. Over 85% are white males. That is insane. That is indeed insane. That's like, that's the vast majority of man. Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> that's the vast majority of, of CEOs. Of people. Yeah. CEOs. I actually found a report that was published, or an article that was published in 2015 that said... That in the US, there are fewer large companies run by women than by men named John. <laughs> that basically means that what? there were more male CEOs named John than there were female CEOs in general. Oh and my God. Just, I mean, that was in 2015. It's probably a little bit now, but exactly. still, that's but alone those figures just blew my mind. Yeah, because... I feel like this whole feminism movement has been around for quite a while and I find it shocking that it's still um, so, like the numbers of male CEOs are so high, which is, I don't want to put a bad stigma on male CEOs, not all male <laughs> CEOs are bad or anything, yeah. but I just find it interesting that women are still the minority Yeah. or it's fine if they are the minority, but at least they could be like almost 50-50. I mean, I don't think it's only about the fact that it's not the same amount of people leading companies being female and male, but also added to that, of course, we've got that big, big word called gender pay gap. Which oh my is God, yes. <laughs> additionally, to the whole issue of being not being as prominent in leadership positions, another problem added on top that makes it a lot more unfair and unjust for females to lead companies. Yeah, so even if you were a female CEO, the likelihood is very high that you earn less than a male CEO named John. There you go. <laughs> if you even make it as high up as John in the freaking... Uh, so unrelated, unrelated recommendation, if you name your kid John, there's a high likelihood that he will become a CEO. There you go. Pop out your next child and call it John. It's got a bright future ahead. But I want to know, um, and I guess the world wants to know, why we need more female leaders. I feel like women are not only role models for young girls. And, well, we were lucky enough to be born in a time where we have been experiencing uh, more female leaders in our society. But I feel like our parents' generation, they just grew up with, hey, the white men are at the top of the food chain or the industry chain <laughs> uh, or in the sea levels. And then um, our moms, they just do housework or work that supports the leaders and the managers, but they never do the, the needle-moving work in business. But do you feel like our generation has a lot of those role models? Because as much as I do see a change in business, in the industry, in the entire society of accepting, integrating and valuing women as much as we do men, I still think that we grew up in a generation where it was like that, where our many, many women mm. still only worked part-time. I mean, they, they worked, but they only 
worked part time because next to their actual job, they still have to do all the care work at home. Yeah, that's true. I think we were one of the first. So we are from. So I'm from ninety seven. Where you? you I'm ninety five. Old. Excuse you. Uh, no, so I think we um, or a couple of years before us. I just. I don't have a statistics on that, but I feel like the first generations were born like in the in the eighties or something that are now in their early thirties that were um the first that were the first people that um experienced that or led this movement of having more female leaders and also women that were more career driven or that uh didn't grew up and their biggest dream was becoming a mom or having a husband, but they had different ambitions. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, yeah, in general, we were kind of the first generation, not to put anything as a fact here, because mm-hmm. I don't know as a fact, but that's just my feeling, that we were one of the first generation that experienced this kind of shift, because our parents didn't yet. Yeah. So our parents were still in that in that kind of... Yeah, but I think because of that, and I totally agree with you in saying that the shift is there, and that we are at least also from my feeling one of the first generations to um yeah to have more of an open mindset and also something to rely on in terms of what our parents did and how things changed in history yeah i still think that especially in the educational systems this whole topic of female role models is still not completely evolved No, definitely. Well, we see this in the statistics. Yeah. Like 86% of the Fortune 500 brands are, they're not even just males. They are white males. Yeah. So it's the, the percentage of male CEOs in, in the US alone is probably even higher than if we count white males. Yeah. So that adds a whole other layer to the conversation, I 100%. guess. 100%. Yes. And... I don't know. I just feel like uh, coming back to, to the gender thing, why would you think that um, a woman may be better in a CEO role than a man? I think there's there's <laughs> plenty, plenty of reasons why women are better suited. And with better, we, of course, always put a pin in it and say yeah. they they are superior to men. But I do think in a few character traits that may be true, uh, which is a lot more focus on that emotional leadership. Yes, I agree. Um, and considerate leadership in terms of feelings. Mm. Because us females are often portrayed as the weaker gender, if, yeah. we, if we may call it like that. Yeah. Uh, that may be a controversial expression. I'm sorry for that, but that's <laughs> how... I was raised and how I came to understand the male gender and the female gender, if you were to put it in black and white. Yeah. Um, totally acknowledging that there's binary people and um, people not Finances. identifying with a certain gender. Yeah. Um, but I grew up in a little, little small town. So <laughs> Same here. women were allowed to cry. Men were supposed to be strong. Yeah. And I think... With that in the back of your mind, you are raised and you're somewhat internalizing those values oh, definitely. and thoughts into who you are professionally as well. Yeah, definitely. Of, yeah, of yeah. course. I mean, 
Um, and that's also why I think sometimes uh, female leaders will be better because especially if you are working in like big brands or um, yeah, even those like Fortune 500 companies, you have to manage so many people and you have to lead so many people. And sometimes when circling back to the thought that um, men are supposed to be strong and women are supposed to be like very caring and emotional, um, yeah, sometimes women are better qualified because of those characteristics, even though society and the industry made us believe that those are not good characteristics as a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, because I also grew up with, um, yeah, some of my, my, my caretakers or my parents saying, well, you have to be like very strong and very hard if you want to reach a certain level in business. And you have to be this um, yeah, corporate asshole because you have to make decisions based on uh, what what's best for the company mm-hmm. and not what's best for the people. Yeah. And uh, luckily, um, I feel like that's changing at the moment. There's yeah, a lot of businesses and brands that are more human-based and are driven by human values. And I love to see that, that there's more like this community engagement and community value around, not just in in the workforce itself, but also outside yeah. with, with the whole social media thing and everything. Um, so that's taking a little bit of a step back, but I was definitely brought up thinking, okay, if I want to be a CEO, I need to be like this uh, cold and driven asshole in in a parenthesis so um i think that's very much reasoned in if you look into organizational theory you basically have that efficiency thought right yeah um that says with minimal input we need to get maximum output yeah and i think that is how industries and organizations were run for a very very long time yeah just profit profit profit, exactly yeah um And with that in mind, of course, it's easiest to say that we need to have someone that is making a decision based on what is best for the company, what gets us the least work we have to do with the best possible outcome, the most profit coming out of it. And I think, yeah, that is something that has been in and around business for the longest time, but that completely disregarded humanity as a factor and I think that's where women play quite a valid and necessary role because women are based on nature women are nurturing creatures yeah they carry a freaking baby in their <laughs> womb for nine months it's until a they wonder yeah alone from that perspective looking into the fact that women are the ones carrying the baby, women are the ones giving birth and nurturing right after birth. Yeah. That also has a very instinctual benefit over how men are working, <laughs> being. I mean, um, I, I feel like I get what, what they're coming from in the past, that we had to build this like industry and industrialization. That's a hard word. Um, <laughs> but uh, to have like profit-driven, uh, efficiency, cost-driven. But the thing is, in this society, how it is evolving and how it's evolved from, let's say, after the Second World War, where we, in Germany at least, had to rebuild our whole economy. Of course. And of course having to rebuild an economy you have to be efficient you have to think about the cost and i totally understand and empathize with that um yeah 
not being to the benefit of the workforce or mm -hmm. that there is not like a human centered approach or a human first approach but where we are in the society today is has really evolved from from that situation and sometimes the um, male leaders to put a stigma on it right now I have the feeling that they're still stuck in in this phase of, of, okay, I need to build this business, I need to grow this business, I need to have like the most amount of profit and think about cost reduction. Whether our economy is flourishing at the moment, even though we're currently in the recession with the Ukraine mm -hmm. war and everything, but um, our industry has evolved to such an extent that we have the capacity and the space to say, okay, I'm not doing profit first right now, I'm doing human first, even if that means I cut something out uh, of the profit, but it's really a human-centered approach. And I think women can help with that. I would wish for that to actually be the status quo right now. Oh, that would Un be amazing. Yeah, unfortunately it isn't because, and I had this conversation just the other day and this may drift off a little bit from the whole general topic that yeah. we set for today now, But we are still embedded in a very capitalistic world. Oh, 100%. Which means, yeah, money rules the world. Yeah, definitely. Unfortunately, it still does. Um, and that still means that being profitable very often is the main goal of a company. Yeah. And in that sense, I understand how many males are in leadership position continuing to run this course because... For maximum profit, yes, you do need efficiency and um, you need to follow through with that and you need to uh, cut your costs where possible. Yeah. And you But we've also seen a massive increase of mental health issues over the past yeah. century, which obviously shows that maximum efficiency may not be the best for humanity. <laughs> maximum efficiency <laughs> equals maximum burnout. There you go. Yes, I. How many people do I know that had a burnout in yeah. their life already, or are just about to have one? Um, even as students, uh, I think we had times where we said, "Okay, I'm not gonna have that beer because if I don't learn now, I won't mm. be able to pass that exam. test." Or yeah, uh, yeah. test. That's test. very German. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I think that also connects to it. And then again, having a more human-centered approach to things, having a more emotional um, approach, having more room for failure, more room for experimentation, I think that would very much benefit our economy. Um, and I think we need to decouple that thought that more efficiency is always more profit because with that thought in mind, driving for an ever-growing economy... Where I think we're, we're steering into a very, very bad future. Yeah, where does, where does that lead us? I mean, in the end, um, and we talked about that in the last episode, in the end, why we went on this uh, entrepreneurship journey was not because we had this great idea. And I love great ideas. I love um, like the English version uh, of a show is Shark Tank. Yeah. Um, and I love that idea that if you if you find something that's really innovative and you design a product for it that you go and do that business but why we went and started our own businesses is really the lifestyle aspect and the way that we hope to live our lives through that business and that is a, a whole other approach 
rather than okay i have this product and i want to market this product because i believe in this product mm -hmm. rather than okay i i think about something and i'm really passionate about well sustainability or, or design work and um i just want to make a living out of it and of course i i'm very yeah ambitious and i want to build this business and probably have a team or an office someday but um the the main thing that my drive is rooted in is that I just want to have an amazing life yeah and I don't want to have millions in my bank account and be like um I don't know the CEO of the year yeah or, yeah, yeah. or something else it's just a completely different ambition it's creating a life for yourself and uh, embedding yourself as a person in that life as much as you're a professional yeah but not purely aiming for being a great professional yeah, because that makes you lose yourself as a person definitely and i i do have a question for you in that um aspect do you ever feel like imposter syndrome when you <laughs> when you think All about the time. <laughs> no when you think about um other male leaders do you always feel like underqualified because I always feel underqualified. I always feel like I can make another certification or um, when I apply for jobs, for example, um, do I ask for too much? Mm -hmm. um, and then I see a documentary where some male is, I don't know, applying for a C-level job and they ask this ridiculous amount of money. I was like, yeah. oh my God, like how many... You must think very good of yourself. <laughs> like how many certifications or experience do you have? And it turns out they have barely any but they just go for it so yeah. do you do you have that feeling as well sometimes um i definitely do i also do have the feeling but maybe that is connected to me as a person as well <laughs> and shouldn't be generalized as it is um but let's take applying for a job as the example right now yeah already before applying in my head i do have this idea of other people being loads more qualified than I am. Yeah. Um, and that is not only because they actually are more qualified, but maybe because they put uh, many more things on their CV. I don't know, taking or participating in a networking event for them is a great achievement because they met this person that met that person, you know? So yeah. um, basically putting yourself up for show I think it's a lot easier for men because they do have that natural yes. um, that natural feeling of superiority over women. And I may be very, very judgy right now. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're generalizing we this are. topic right <laughs> yes. now just to have uh, a conversation about it because it is such a complex topic, um, especially also considering uh, different nationalities and, of course, in uh, different countries. We are this... talking from a very privileged white women's perspective right now, living in Germany. That's, yeah. That always needs to be in the back of people's minds when listening to this. Yeah, and also acknowledging that there are two genders and people that also identify as non-binary and gender fluid. And for them, it's probably even harder yeah. to get to those levels, um, especially when they're open about their gender fluidity and their identity um so that's a whole other topic but um yeah i i'm too unqualified for uh commenting on this to be honest without offending anyone so if there's anyone that feels like they want to talk about this topic with us 
uh, just let us know. Maybe, yes. I don't know, this is the first shout out. Yes, uh, we'd love to talk to people and to actually get insights. Yeah, text us on Instagram and uh, tell your story and we will read it out to you uh, to you in the next episode. And I would love for you to yeah just share your struggles we, or achievements. Um, we always love to listen and to get more knowledge on this topic. Um, but yeah, another thing that I wanted to address is maybe there are some white males in their 50s that are listening to this podcast right now. Uh, if yes, please don't feel offended. But <laughs> Sorry, literally everything that we said within the past half an hour was very judgy and offending to you. Yeah. So please come and talk to us. Uh, let us know what your insights are on this. Um, um, no, no, but if they are listening to this and, and they genuinely want to better themselves and they are open for change and uh, for breaking the status quo, um, what would you think are a couple of tips that they can, yeah, just take away and maybe incorporate in their businesses? I mean, as much as we have completely disgraced man in this, uh, <laughs> in this episode up until now, I do think... Uh, the vast majority of man does have human values, <laughs> does own human values. <laughs> that would be great. Um, no, but I mean, you know how you would feel appreciated in your friends group. You know how you'd feel appreciated within your family. Yes. And I think those are just very good values that you can take into leading a company or leading a team as well. Um And it's easier said than done, I know, because uh, especially if you come from the background uh, looking into efficiency and wanting to um, not compromise your profits for yeah. anything like that. I do think that with paying more attention to your employees and your team in general, I think you would also create a community or a team that is working together a lot more yeah. and that feels comfortable a lot more altogether to then also probably achieve different goals maybe not the initial goals that were set as a team but by integrating yeah. that value of being a community and a team you can push forward together and i think that's something that yeah. i yeah recommend and i always feel like people can sense how a brand is run mm -hmm. and how a brand is led um Yeah, it's, it sounds a bit woo-woo, I feel like, but um, even through an Instagram post or through an advertisement or a billboard, I can kind of sense, okay, what's the brand personality and how mm -hmm. how do they they run their team? How, how is the, the kind of overall vibe? And uh, this is growing more and more important in today's society because we honestly get the privilege in the Western world mm -hmm to um, have the ability to choose where we purchase from. We don't have to um, purchase from anything just because it's the cheapest option or because it's the option that's available. So having that privilege of being able to choose what brands we yeah, buy, mm -hmm. I feel like that value of um, having yeah, high morals or high standards or um, yeah. treating your community and your employees and um not just them but the whole planet and your workers and everything good makes such a difference because 
at least for the Western world, it's also very easy to boycott your brand. Yeah. And just say, okay, I'm just going to buy the other one down from the store because I like them better and they make me feel better and they treat the, their people better. And I think with that, as you were saying that, I was just thinking about how I think this is becoming more and more important in the future as well. Yeah. I think a lot of companies may lose their rights or their, their status to sell their products. Oh yeah, because those issues of yeah, let it be sustainability or uh, morality that runs in the background of their company will be questioned in future because we do need to change the path we're on right now. And uh, the more, let's call it natural disasters, there are the more mm. impacts we feel also in our Western privileged position world. Yeah, yeah. world um, the more those companies will lose their rights to exist. And yeah. I think by changing now, not only whatever you do in terms of sustainability, but also in terms of what you do for your workforce, yeah. you will set yourself up for a continuously existing business. Yeah. I mean, that, that's coming from a different, um, De- different I mean, perspective now, I- but... I mean, definitely, I, that leads us to, to the next point, actually, which is to put your money where your mouth is. And that is related to a lot of um, yeah, greenwashing, wokewashing, whitewashing, all the washings out Rainbow there. Rainbow washing. Yeah. Rainbow washing. All the washings out there that, that's currently happening is that people can tell whether you're committed and whether you're considerate and really care about... Uh, the things that you put out there. So, for example, for Pride Month, I see a lot of brands that do like these Pride Month specials. I saw what was it, Burger King or McDonald's? One of the two of them yeah. just put everything in in rainbow colors I and were like, "We're Burger LGBTQ King. friendly." And then after that, just everything vanished into the nothing. Yes, and people can sense that. I mean, it's nice to create awareness, and awareness is definitely needed. I but, agree. Um, yeah, I think that's a lot of people's perspective, or at least it's my perspective, is that I prefer brands that are really genuine, like 12 months, 365 days of the year, uh, rather than just having one pride month or a... So what's coming up uh, in January is vegan January. Vegan yeah. vegan January? Not sure how yeah. to So vegan January, <laughs> um, where people go vegan for a month and there's a lot of... Um, specials yeah. or um, discounts or whatever on vegan products and they raise a lot of awareness on veganism and how it it uh, shapes sustainability and how it can benefit the planet but if brands job hop on this trend I would expect them to be some sort of activist throughout the whole year as well yeah um, it's not to say that you don't as a brand you don't have to participate in this trend but at least take some ownership the rest of the year as well and and support people in making those choices not only that specific dedicated month yeah but also yeah. the rest of the time yeah yeah because sometimes i feel like um these brands exploit those kind of months or opportunities awareness yeah. awareness uh, opportunities for yeah making more profit mm-hmm. if i can say that that drastically just uh, to have some specials and um, yeah, hop on the trend, but they don't really are committed to the issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's the thing. And also, maybe choose something that you generally care about, um, supporting 
in in the society so if if you're not interested in sustainability then don't claim to support it yeah to if you want to choose something to support choose another topic choose i don't know mental health or, or whatever you want or choose that topic but then consistently yeah then, but then please do it genuinely yeah. so rather than faking it make it <laughs> yeah, either don't choose it if you need to fake it or choose it with your whole yeah. heart and make your whole business about this um yeah and not just yeah half-ass it and uh, make some profit out of it and i think yeah that's probably what has been going on for the longest time that people were just following that tunnel vision of following the kpis of business and yeah. uh, do whatever is asked to do in order to make the profits and not escaping this narrow mindset of having profit as the only goal of business because that is and cannot be the future um, and i don't think following that path will bring us somewhere and that's why no. i think we need more women in business that are actually um yeah introducing more open-mindedness towards topics that are emotional topics that are um, needed topics that are about nurturing not only our our people but also our planet yes yeah everything everything and the uh last recommendation that we have for all middle-aged male <laughs> white ceos out there is to be outspoken and know about your privilege and talk about it um we probably feel some i mean i sometimes do as a as a white female in a western world feel very ashamed for my privilege mm -hmm. because i know what the situation is like in other countries but um yeah talking about a very privileged perspective right now but I feel like if you acknowledge your privilege and talk about your privilege, that people will probably understand it a little bit more and mm -hmm. have um, yeah, have some understanding and sympathy and at least you are uh, honest about it rather than hiding it and, and pretending it's not there. Exactly. And with that, you're expressing an openness for other perspectives, acknowledging that your perspective is not the all-encompassing perspective there is because there is other people out there having different perspectives having different inputs that we can also benefit from yes and i think that being said um i watched a a series online that was about it's it's a german series it's called sieben fragen so seven questions yeah. um and over there for example they discuss the topic of a a quota a woman's quota yeah, in yeah, yeah. business for example um and i heard the weirdest arguments from man being there obviously saying women have the same approachability to the same um no the same access to the same positions as i do mm -hmm. but that's simply not true not no. in the world today not as it is today um and that complete blindedness towards that topic of females not having the same yeah. um, starting point. I think that's something that really makes me angry. And I think that's where every male in their 50s, <laughs> being white, can start um, yeah, being more of a... Probably like a leader for change or an advocate. Yeah, maybe an advocate. An yeah. advocate for, um, for females as well. Yeah. Taking them 
by the hand and say, look, you're not alone in that. I know I'm very privileged, but together we can change the status quo yes. by you joining me and joining forces to create something better and more advanced together. Yeah, that's, that's why I said in the beginning, like even though um, white men in their 50s may be the problem to some degree, um, they can also be a very big part of the solution. Uh, I don't say that we need to get rid of like 40% of the, <laughs> All of of them the CEOs are. now because we need to replace them with females. But of course, it's an ongoing process. And um, if, the, if they can acknowledge their privilege and their position and how they got there, however they actually got there, um, they can help other women that are ambitious to reach the same goals as well and empower them. And uh, maybe someday we don't have to look out for other female role models but we are comfortable as a, as a woman we are comfortable with choosing a male role model as well because we know okay we have the same opportunities to yeah. actually get there because at the moment i don't feel comfortable in looking up to a male and seeing okay i i can uh, relate to this person and i want to get there as well yeah because it's just too far away for me right now Could, yeah, I because even relate. even us being privileged, we still see that there are one step higher on the ladder, always being a step ahead of us. So we can't really compare ourselves with it and we can't really resonate with their no. success because we're very far away from that uh, success being offered to us at the same uh, table. Yeah, and probably that's a limiting belief from our minds. But um, yeah, at the moment, I just, I can't relate. Maybe it is to a certain degree within ourselves. I'm not, I'm not doubting that. I think yeah. it is. Um, but I also think that comes a lot from our social uprising. Yeah, definitely. Um, because that's something that we've been told again and again and again. And if you think about a dentist, you think about a man. And if you think yes. about a policeman, well, policeman, it's in the word. Policeman. And also... Um, Well, that's just a general thing. I'm going off on a rant here, but um, I had a conversation at work the other day and uh, she she was saying like, oh, okay, so you're in your mid-20s now. If you get a new job, um, your employer has to plan for you to be probably pregnant in like four years. And I'm like, well, I, how do they... I mean, of course they can plan, but I'm not even thinking about getting pregnant. Mm. Why do they have to think about me getting pregnant? Yeah. I'm not even engaged or married yet. Yeah. And that, that was so anxiety-inducing for me because I felt so degraded about that conversation because all I felt was, oh, well, I'm just that other woman that... Yeah, you're just put into a box immediately. Yes. It made me feel less of something just because I have the ability to carry a child. And of course, I know that like the biological clock is ticking and everything, but tick -tock. <laughs> it made me feel less worthy to have a flourishing career because I needed to take a break to carry a child and be a mother. Why, why, did, why is that? That on the one hand, then coming from a completely the other side of the topic is Who are you to assume that I want to have a child? Yes. Maybe. I don't. I don't. Yeah, maybe I exactly. don't. Exactly. Who are you to... And I'm not saying I my don't. Pregnancy. I'm not saying exactly. I do. Exactly. And you don't know that. No. That should be completely my own personal matter. And then I can communicate it to you as soon as it happens. But you shouldn't plan for it. Because yeah. that assumes something about me that may never happen. Yeah. And just someone saying, oh, 
if you start this new job well you work in it for like four years and then you're gone for like two years because you have a child and I was like well first who cares there are rules at least in Germany mm -hmm. we have really good like maternity leave rules and regulations and second um, I can still be a career-driven woman and have a child and have a family and I'm not saying that's possible it's I'm not, not non-exclusive yeah yeah and uh, it definitely made me feel like less worthy <laughs> I of... just finished university how would I ever have equal opportunities yes if not even after I have just finished my degree isn't and that's another thing um well we're completely losing track of the topic right now but I don't <laughs> care well that's another thing is that we It, especially like our generation and generation Z um, is starting to have a lot more experiences before uh, starting university and before graduating. So mm -hmm. we graduate way later than our parents did, even if they didn't study. So right now, I mean, you're 27. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you to tell me I'm old? Stop that. <laughs> no, I mean, you're 27 and you just, just graduated yeah. university Whereas um, your parents probably worked since they were 18 or something. Yeah, so, 100%. So we're a lot... So the the development of our personalities and of our careers are a lot slower, which is not bad. But of course, if you have worked since you were 18, you probably have uh, a different background and you're mm. more ready to probably start a family or get you're married. You're financially more secure, of course, uh, which plays into a lot. I struggled financially whilst I was a student and I just... I still do. <laughs> no, I didn't want to say that, but yes, I do. Um, I don't have routine set for myself. That's another person that started working from from when they were 18 or something. Yeah. Um, I don't have as much as many savings yeah. as well. Not Financial stability is the monthly feeling of having it under control. Uh, savings is something that I acquire over the years. I've got none of that, you know? Yeah. So I need to start there now. Yeah. But that also means that at least within the next three years, I wouldn't have money for a child. No, and it, I can so barely... <laughs> like, you start, um, you start uh, later with your career yeah. after you've done your bachelor's or your master's. And then... Of course, you need more time to build your career because essentially, after you've done studying, you start. I don't want to say you start as from an zero, level, yes. but you start as an entry level. Whereas uh, our parents started as an in quotas entry level when they were 18 or something. So of course, it takes longer. And then someone uh, who's working with me saying, "Oh well." Well, you're now out of uni and uh, now in, in four years probably you have a child. And I'm like, well, I barely built my career mm -hmm. by then. You had all this extra time where that I spent studying where you had the opportunity to build your career and save up and buy a house and get married or whatever. I actually feel pressured by that thought. Yeah, me I too. I must commit. <laughs> commit it. I must admit. Admit. Yeah. Commit. <laughs> no. Commit. No. Yeah. I must English admit. is not my first language. It's not. <laughs> um, yeah, I must admit that I do feel pressured by that thought. And it's not easy a lot of times. It's really difficult because that's the feeling that you picked up on a little bit earlier in this episode, I think it was. Yeah. Um, that you always feel behind. Yeah. And 
I'm 27. I should be in the brink of life. I should be enjoying life and just uh, thrive in my new job opportunities. But I, I feel like... You barely started and you already feel exactly. behind. And that's not just in life, that's in business as well. Yeah. As I, like, I yeah. always feel behind. behind. Like, why do I always feel behind? <laughs> so demotivating. Can, if someone listens and they're older than us, can you please tell us if you still feel behind? But I, because I don't know if that feeling ever I gets also any still wait for a feeling like an adult. I mean, all the, all the bills coming in and... <laughs> And the insurances that I just started to sign, yeah, they make me feel like an adult. But apart from that, I'm still waiting to grow up. <laughs> you, I wonder you, if it will ever... <laughs> you spent the money like an adult, but you don't get the money of an adult. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. Let's wrap it up. Um, um, this is my turn to ask you three questions today. Right. Are you ready for the three questions? I'm not sure, but I think I am. All right. First question, uh, have you ever lied on your CV? Have I ever lied on my CV? I actually don't think I have. No, I don't consider you the person to be lying in your CV. I, I think you I would really have, don't think you have. have too many guilt feelings about it. So what should I put on there? I'm a professional juggler. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that puts some, some ease to it. I don't know. I don't think I ever did. Would you? I don't think I could. No. Because... If that was because I would only lie on my resume if it was a skill that was really necessary for a job. But then I knew if I was invited to an interview mm -hmm. and I'd have to prove that I actually do have that skill, mm -hmm. I'd get way too insecure about delivering. Yeah, that skill. I get what so, you're saying. I don't, I don't see a benefit in lying on my resume because either they want to have me for who I am or... I'm just not suited in their in their yeah. perspective for that job. Yeah. All right. Thank you for that answer. You're very welcome. <laughs> uh, second question. Have you ever felt weird or anxious towards speaking up in a room when there's male leaders? Oh, yeah. 100%. Yes? Yes. Tell me about a situation. Um, let me think of a specific situation. I actually do think it was, uh, I was on a conference on uh, Bali the other week. Yes. And it was a conference about green technologies, mm -hmm. um, designing emergent realities in developing countries, more specifically on the uh, island of Bali, the island of gods. <laughs> um, and I came there and obviously I'm a fresh graduate. So yes. I came there with little knowledge and experience in the actual field yeah so you graduated in summer right i graduated so, in summer yes yeah, now it's november yes then, yeah uh, so just a few months back yeah and i came there and i met so many people so many very very experienced knowledgeable skilled people especially in the sphere of technology it artificial intelligence yeah which is very far away from my initial field of um so i did tourism and then i did sustainable entrepreneurship so very very much focused on business business models strategizing um but not yeah. like technology exactly yeah, yeah i get it so people asked me to introduce myself and suddenly i felt like i didn't have anything to say about myself Oh, because you were intimidated I by all this knowledge. I was intimidated by all that knowledge and their experience in the fields, or at least what they 
portrayed to be their mm-hmm. experience. Of course, they were a lot older than me. So immediately I was like, okay, I don't have any skill or benefit that would potentially um, portray myself as being a skilled person. Yeah. Because but, everything that I can do, they can easily do. But do you think that was in your mind? Like, do you think that, of course, like there's some sort of truth in there because they have more experience. Mm-hmm. But do you think you overthought that situation and they didn't, they wouldn't react the way you thought they reacted? Or was that actually the case? Um, I do think, and that again closes the loop with what we said uh, beforehand, that a lot of it comes from our social upbringing as well. Yeah. Is that I did overthink the whole situation because I did express that feeling of concern, that feeling of overwhelm and not being skilled enough to Mm -hmm. be there. I did express that with some people that I spent time with there and they basically tried and lift me up and said, Nina, you're just starting your professional life. You shouldn't feel intimidated by any of that. If anything, you should take this as an opportunity to network with people that are skilled and that you can potentially fall back on in future. Yes. Um, You are skilled in that you have learned everything in university and it's now your your task to apply it in the industry so that brought me back a little bit but I was still I was still also mentally very overwhelmed in mm. coping with that situation I think yeah I I can totally relate so I do think a lot of it to to put it in a couple of sentences I do think a lot of it is within myself mm-hmm. connected to my imposter syndrome of not being enough <laughs> not being skilled enough to provide anyone with anything but that Um, comes back to um what we said because we think of this like male ceo as this certain stereotype and figure that is above us mm -hmm. as women because we've learned that through the society and through our upbringing so um yeah of course it's in our heads and um we need to overcome that yeah we need to challenge the status quo we need to be our own bosses, our own CEOs. Yes, and that, uh, That's true, that's true. We get out of that loophole. If they don't change the stereotype, we, we need to change it. the stereotype. Yes. That's true. Okay, last question. If you could ever have one guest on this podcast, no matter how difficult it would be to reach out to them, who would it be? Oh, dear God. That's a very, very difficult question. <laughs> one guest. One guest. No matter how difficult... If, you, if we had all the opportunities in the world. All right. I legit had to take five minutes <laughs> and stop this podcast because I couldn't come up with a person. And I said in the beginning, it was so important to have your own role model. And I really had to think to myself and I said, okay, who is my role model? That's and a hard question. I did figure out, yeah, it's a very hard question. I, I was struggling. I had to take a toilet break to think about this <laughs> and to actually figure out who I would want to have on this podcast. And I got to say, I do not know. Oh, I really Nina. I really don't know. And I'd like to ask you to grant me the permission to take this question into the next podcast yes we'll do that and uh to have me or grant me some time to think about it because i i do think that really triggers me to think about who is most inspiring to me as well because 
I'm glad that it triggered you. It, it did trigger me very much. I do, I do have my role models and my coaches, but they are, they are not top known women as leaders mm -hmm. in the industry, and they are very close to heart. So I wouldn't necessarily want to name any names. I get but it. I get it. I do want to think about someone that's inspirational and on the chart of people so, yeah, so like me, a public person exactly let yeah, me think like about it and uh, i will come back with my answer in the meantime we'll put a poll on our story and ask you what uh, your inspiring people are and who inspire you in any kind of industry i would love to i would love to know that yes let us know also maybe you can inspire me <laughs> to find my public figure role model uh <laughs> Yes, we'll, we'll take that question to next time and I'm excited uh, what you decide upon. So am I, so um, am I. All right, so I think that brings us to the end of the episode. Do you have anything more to say, Nina? No, I don't think I do. Women uh, rock. Women rock, women rule and we need more women in C-level positions. Yes, we do. That's so um, I'm curious to know what your experiences are and of course... We are only rambling on. We are talking definitely from whatever our opinion is, which cannot be generalized, of course. But if there was anything that was triggering you in what we said, or maybe something that you are a completely different opinion of, or something that you can very much relate to, we would love to hear your voice and, uh, yeah, have, have an us open discussion about anything and, um, yeah. Exactly. So you can send us a voice message if you would like to also be included in any of the episodes. Uh, I think that's quite interesting. Or you can comment on our um, Instagram posts, write us on Instagram, and we are happy to have that conversation. Yes. All right. Then see you in the next episode. See you. Bye-bye.